Welcome to the 19th episode of the Think Wildlife podcast. Today we will be interviewing Anurag Sharma, the founder and CEO of Tiger Wala, a very well-renowned tiger tourism company. Hi Anish, thank you for having me over. My first question to you is what is Tiger Wala and how did it start? Journey traces back to almost 19 years when I started my wildlife journey. Uh when I started going to forest for the first time of course as a tourist and then slowly and gradually the interest in tigers grew when somewhere around 2010 I started writing a blog by the name Tigerwala on Ranthambore and Ranthambore tigers so this is basically an information portal where you could find the latest updates from the world of tigers what's happening with zones of interest to visit you know which tigers are sighted which are those tigers what is the lineage of all those tigers and this is mostly out of my own academic interest that if i wanted to travel I would want to gather as much as information possible before I visit them. Uh and you know so this journey started and we started creating informed travelers as I like to say that you know when you want to go to a park and if you are following Tagewala especially on Ranthambore then you would know a couple of things which you never knew before. You had uh, been on journey with us and slowly and gradually people started asking us to arrange journeys uh, you know they wanted me to accompany them on safaris and that's how we transformed into a travel company in 2012 but i got a of bespoke wildlife travel experience company where we provide curated wildlife experiences across india uh, as the name suggests the uh, focus is obviously on the uh, national animal and my beloved tiger but yeah we do some bit of unique experiences like leopards and red panda also Prior to this, you were working at Standard Chartered. So, what motivated you to shift to the wildlife tourism industry? Like I said, um, my journey to wildlife was almost 19 years old. So, slowly and gradually, this bug uh, of wildlife, as to say, started biting me hard. And I thought that if I wanted to make a career in wildlife, let me do it rather than just regretting thing. I could have done something. and that's when uh, 2012 finally i decided that uh, i wanted to leave my job and do this full time uh, you guys were working on a database uh, on ranthambore tigers how was the reception to this and how successful was the project and what is the future goals of this database okay so uh, when i started the journey uh, tiger monitoring was still very new to india i mean yes there was camera trapping which was already happening but most of the time we were collecting camera traps those be on the left flanks and right flanks only so since uh, the topography of ranthambore uh, was helping us to you know get up close and personal to tigers we also decided why not we collect even facial stripes of tigers and see you know we can have the complete profile and the forest department of ranthambore was very supportive in this endeavor so this is my idea i pitched to them saying you know we have the flanks left flank and right flank which was the norm then can we also collate a database which has the facial markings also so people are identified these tigers this is their facial marking and that's how we started collating the data for all the tigers from tourism area and non tourism area and also a part of this project was to keep a track on daily movements of these tigers wherever it was known and possible in terms of direct sightings and not tracking reports where you know somebody sighted a pugma we couldn't count it but direct sighting if it was sighted so uh, it was focused mostly on tourism area where safari guides and drivers and also you know the tourists could give us an update thing the sighting had happened on a particular area so uh, there were two objectives one uh, there was an objective that 
since we all know tigers are territorial uh, the idea was to figure out if there is a pattern in the movement across territory you know can we predict that this particular tiger who has this uh, defined territory has a frequency that he would visit a specific area of his territory every 3 to 5 days uh the objective was also to figure out that if a regular tiger was very regularly sighted and if it was not sighted for very long day there's something unusual and it uh was not bad news only always because the, there could be a female which was pregnant and she's giving birth somewhere but the idea was to keep a record on the sighting uh, also this database captured the first sighting of tigers and also who could their probable you know mothers and fathers were and we started seeing benefits of this database and we uh, had almost 22 cubs in the park and uh, we were looking at dispersal and we knew there was not enough space in the park and they would disperse subsequently out of the park so we went back to the database identified the tigers which were tiny and so that particular year the areas in which were born and where likely they would disperse we would know that the male tigers normally do not stay in the same area where they were born so we could basically map out that these are the potential areas from where they will disperse and this is the likelihood of where they could go so this is helpful to the forest department in managing human wildlife conflict okay thanks for that's a very good initiative at tiger wire how do you ensure that the locals also benefit from your wildlife tours see uh this whole wildlife tourism business is supported by locals only without local support you cannot run this business so all our safari guides drivers naturalists taxi drivers all are local people they are not uh, from outside you would know that the forest department norm only allows uh, locals to become guides and drivers on the path so you know that one is initiated by the forest department and supported by us most of our naturalists are also not you know from my high end institutes but these are people who work with us for 8 10 years started joined us as guides and slowly and gradually you know have groomed themselves uh, to become naturalists and they are all getting benefited out of it so this is a purely local based enterprise out of which uh, only two three people if i could tell uh, call uh, myself a non local but i spend more time in ranthambore and any other national park as compared to a city so i'm also more of a local that's great uh, and so over the years the conducting tours Which has been your favorite trip or sighting? I guess the thing about wildlife is that all of these sightings are some memorable. Like I keep telling to my clients, you know, the beauty of wildlife sighting is there's never a repeat. It could become better, it could become different, but there's never a repeat of what happens. So a lot of sightings I have, but I think uh, I would especially want to mention my first sighting of uh, a tiger in the wild. which is after a frustrating wait of 3 years so yes uh, when i started my wildlife journey i also had to wait for almost 3 years to see my first tiger in the wild so and that was none other than the legendary tigress muchli which is very famous and i'm sure you would know about her she was a celebrity from the world of tigers and especially ranthambore so after a wait of 3 years i finally got to see her with the uh, cubs so i think uh, definitely that was my the most memorable sighting of life so far and there are plenty of them and I could just go and talking uh, about them but I think if I had to pick one this would be the first in 2010 the supreme court banned all tourism within the core of tiger reserves this led to a significant debate amongst uh, conservationists uh, about the uh, validity and potential of wildlife wildlife tourism uh, in the conservation field 
what is your, what is your opinion, opinion about this decision and why is wildlife tourism so crucial for conservation? the time when I left my job and I started seeing wildlife tourism as a career. So I have observed this from very keen quarters including being in the Supreme Court for the hearing. Uh, this whole debate was basically around uh, states not being able to demarcate the core areas and buffer areas, buffer areas being the cushion around the forest where animals could move and there were corridors and there still are. So the uh, Supreme Court was only wanting them to denotify the core and the buffer in the jungle. When the state forest department failed to comply, forest department, uh, the Supreme Court got irritated and they decided to put a ban so to grow to uh, hurt where it hurts the most and then people would comply. There was never a talk about so much so of pressure of tourism because anyways uh, tourism has always been regulated. It is regulated to the number of hours you can go inside the jungle, it is number two regulated to the number of jeeps which can go inside the jungle. But suddenly, I don't know why, uh, just to give some kind of consolation, it was also communicated that they would restrict tourism to 20% of the area uh, of the national parks or uh, existing, whichever is lesser. Now my take is that, in a way, you've increased more pressure on the national park of tourism area or wherever the tourism is being conducted. If the same number of vehicles were dispersed across the jungle, where there was never pressure. But if you are restricting those 15, 20 or 30 jeeps to go into a limited area, of course you are kind of creating a pressure, but it's still not a pressure because you are only confined to a particular safari track and your visibility is only 15, 20 meters on the other side of road. And that too for limited hours with obviously all the rules and regulations and guidelines. As far as uh, how much of wildlife tourism is important for these areas, we have to remember that all of these locations, whether it is Bandhavgarh or Kana or Panna or Ranthambore or any other national park for that matter are very, very remote locations. And mostly, uh, wildlife tourism is, if I would not say only, is the biggest source of employment. There was a study done by Top Tigers somewhere around 2012 or 2013, which almost highlighted some hundred odd ancillary businesses which were beneficial. in terms of being guides and drivers and working in lodges, but it supports almost 100 plus ancillary businesses. And a place like Ranthambur, it was estimated then that it was almost a 300 crore business. Now, if you know Ranthambur, Ranthambur has no other big industry. There was a cement factory earlier which was shut down. There is government employment, of course, uh, being it, it being a district headquarter. But otherwise, majority of the people are employed in wildlife tourism directly or indirectly and all of them are getting benefited. And so is the case across uh, national parks in India. So yeah, it is a big contributor. Leading to my next question, in 2020, COVID-19 struck and months of lockdown began. So <laughs> how did this uh, impact the wildlife tourism industry? I mean, yes, uh, the entire world was getting affected. Wildlife tourism could not have been isolated and not been affected. Uh, like any, like the whole country's tourism business suffered, the wildlife tourism also suffered. Uh, the parks were shut down, the lodges were shut down. Obviously, uh, it impacted us more because anyways, wildlife tourism is a very seasonal business. You would know that, you know, parks are shut for three months right now as they are. But uh, 
so we have to basically earn in seven eight months than the season is and spend for the rest of four months which is the starting june till october and november so it was difficult definitely uh it was not easy for anyone to but uh, you know it was very unseen and unprecedented for all of us so it was not just a case of wildlife tourism and isolation everyone got affected uh the silver lining was that in between the lockdowns uh parks got open for limited period so there was a little bit of uh, breather people wanted to go to remote and isolated locations so a lot of people traveled to jungles especially after the first lockdown got over and between first and second lockdown we had a lot of people who were staying at our lodges uh, in the jungle for longer uh, durations and longer stays uh basically what we call work from home and work from wilderness so a lot of people were doing that but yeah business was affected and almost uh, we went into a recovery phase sometime last season how has wildlife tourism changed and changed after covid-19 and have you guys been able to recover properly okay so the biggest transformation which everyone realized uh, post covid was the fact that uh, earlier wildlife tourism was focused mostly on foreign tourists especially people coming from uk and europe and a little bit of us who would come to india to uh, to uh, see wildlife especially tigers but then so the lockdown we had uh, a border shutdown so foreigners were not traveling so we saw a very massive surge in domestic tourists traveling to all these jungles because people wanted to get away from the cities from their homes from their apartments and uh, last of the few foreigners who came in post april when the restriction was lifted uh, i think we saw a good season in terms of uh, recovery the whole last season it was all curtsy domestic Lodges we had visited over, you know, I think three or four times in a season at a frequency of two to three months. So yeah, that was the biggest transformation if people could see. And people actually enjoyed wildlife, so there was not there was some funny pressures to the day. I remember guests who came and stayed with us for a week and went for one or two game trips. Earlier people wanted to come to a jungle zoo and stay in the lodge and do safari every day. So there was a pressure on safari, but this time there was not. note this time uh, when the pressure was there we always had to ask for a department for the medical permit so sometimes they were to get the body permit i'm department was joking saying you know we have more tourists but some of you guys are not asking for the body permit for the change so this was the change in india most of uh, most of wildlife tourism is focused solely on charismatic species such as lions elephants rhinos and particularly tigers but beyond the parks which have these species there's fairly limited wildlife tourism so how how could india promote wildlife tourism further yes so you brought a good question but you'll be surprised that india is also home to 1200 species of birds and you'll also be surprised that a big amount of wildlife tourism is also birders who come to india i mean i've had guests who were not interested in seeing a tiger in covid but they were interested in watching birds so there's a there's a big chunk of uh, people who come and uh, here for birding but yes uh, we hold 70% of the world wild tigers so needless to say if there's a place where people could see them walk roaming freely in uh, in wilderness india is the place so that leads to my next question what are some ways which wildlife tourism can be improved in india i mean see 
think India is a very, very large country with very large population. Uh, somehow, probably the policymakers think that wildlife tourism is not big enough uh, revenue contributor as compared to other uh, forms of tourism in India, whether it is medical tourism or spiritual tourism or any other form of tourism. Uh, but, you know, infrastructure is something which we need to increase. I mean, even today, we, you look at it, uh, we have 53 tiger reserves in India. But uh, tourism is majorly confined to, let's say, 10 odd national parks or tiger reserves only, which are the prominent ones, which is Kobit, Bandhavgarh, Kana, Panna, Pinch, Tadoba, Satpura, and all. But the rest 40 of them, either hardly get any tourists or the numbers are very, very less, which is also to do with the fact that infrastructure is not supported. For example, uh, Dudwa is a beautiful jungle, uh, beautiful landscape. It has rhinos, it has elephants, it has tigers. It has so much of rich biodiversity, but hardly a handful of foreign tourists go there. And it's mostly because of the fact that the infrastructure, whether it is access, whether it is uh, the accommodation, is not appropriate. So only thing which we can do is either we can distribute the existing traffic, if we increase infrastructure, or we can increase traffic by increasing infrastructure in these places and start offering them as a destination to clients uh, instead of people just you know, going to places like or Bandhavgarh or Corbett. Thank you for that. That was my last question. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here.